This is New Beginnings, hosted by award-winning broadcaster and speaker, Freddie Bell. A program for and about America's 78 million baby boomers. Here's your host, Freddie Bell. Hi, everyone. This is New Beginnings. I am Freddie Bell. Glad you're with us today. And coming up on the show, many of our favorite partners, including Libel Sturmbach is here, Joe McKenzie, and friends from AARP Minnesota. All this plus the words to the wise on New Beginnings. And our program is underway right now. Thank you for joining us on New Beginnings, and joining us right now is Dr. Michael Olsterholm. He's a Regents Professor, and he's Vice President of the United States on Everything COVID. There's a new study that was published not long ago, Dr. Olsterholm, from Pennsylvania, that talked about the effects of long COVID and some interesting details about the impact on children and maybe giving a different look. Can you shed some light on this idea and these studies from your perspective? Again, as you noted, long COVID is an important issue, and obviously it sure still leads to a very serious and significant health impact on this country. We're still at a point where we have a lot more questions about the condition than we do answers, but we're slowly uncovering the pieces of the long COVID puzzle, and we're getting closer to seeing a more full picture. I'll first address the study from the University of Pennsylvania that you mentioned. The study included 58 participants who were experiencing long COVID symptoms 3 to 22 months after their infection, 30 participants who had been infected but not experienced any post-COVID symptoms, and 60 participants who were in the acute stages of their SARS-CoV-2 infection. Researchers analyzed blood samples from all the participants and found that those who were experiencing post-COVID symptoms had, on average, lower levels of serotonin in their blood than those not experiencing post-COVID symptoms, though other metabolites that the researchers looked at were low in those in the acute stage of their infection, the levels of these metabolites returned to the pre-infection levels after the acute stage, even for those experiencing long COVID. This suggests that the lower levels of serotonin, in particular, could play a role in causing long COVID symptoms. The researchers also found that some of the participants with long COVID still had viral remnants in their stool. This is important because most serotonin is produced in the gut, leading researchers to hypothesize that the viral remnants in the gastrointestinal tract are interfering with serotonin production and causing some of the long COVID symptoms. It's important to note that not all participants in the study who had long COVID had low levels of serotonin. And though low levels of serotonin can certainly explain some long COVID symptoms, particularly memory loss, depression, and other cognitive issues, it is unlikely that low serotonin levels alone can explain all the symptoms of long COVID. That said, we need to keep in mind that with something as complex as long COVID that can present in so many different ways, it is very unlikely that we'll ever find a simple explanation that can account for all the symptoms experienced by all long COVID patients. One thing that makes these results particularly promising in the context of long COVID treatment is we already have an entire class of medications, what they're called selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, or SSRIs. They can help combat these serotonin level issues. SSRIs do not cause the body to produce more serotonin, but they slow the rate of serotonin reuptake meaning that they allow the serotonin that is produced to remain in the body longer. SSRIs like Prozac and Zoloft 
are already widely used to treat depression, and the researchers that conducted the study will be starting a trial to determine the effectiveness of Prozac for treating long COVID. As you mentioned in your question, as much as we lack an understanding of long COVID prevalence adults, we have even less of an understanding of long COVID prevalence and symptoms in children. All the challenges that make long COVID difficult to diagnose in adults are also challenges for diagnosing children. In addition, children often lack the vocabulary to describe their symptoms. Even many adults struggle to explain exactly what brain fog feels like, so we certainly shouldn't expect the children to be able to do this as well. Children also don't have as strong an understanding of how they felt at baseline before their acute infection. A five-year-old child, for example, that has experienced long COVID symptoms for six months likely has very little memory of not experiencing long COVID symptoms and may not realize that anything is wrong, particularly if they don't have the vocabulary to explain how they're feeling. Children also may experience different long COVID symptoms than adults, with recent research suggesting there may be a much higher prevalence of gastrointestinal symptoms of long COVID in children compared to what we see in adults. The bottom line is that we need more long COVID studies that are focused specifically on children. These studies can be difficult to conduct, since so many children have experienced asymptomatic infections or false negative tests due to having lower viral load, which makes it very challenging to find controls for studies. Still, it is critical that we continue to study long COVID in children in order to better understand how the condition presents in children and how often it occurs, rather than just assuming it doesn't happen in children or that it happens the same way as it does in adults. We owe it to our children to find these answers. Well said, Doctor. We've got to leave it right there. That's Dr. Michael Osterholm, and you're listening to New Beginnings. Please welcome an individual who has uh, been just wowing parents and their their kids and the grandchildren for the last three years as uh, Santa, and he has written a book. But first of all, I just got to say, hello, Santa Pat. Good morning. Well, hello there, Freddie, and to all of his listeners. How are you this morning? Unbelievable. Tell me about being a Santa Claus portrayal artist. What is that, Santa Pat? Well, that's particularly where I dress up as Black Santa, perhaps, and bring smiles and happiness to people during the Christmas holiday season. Now, are you coming to the Twin Cities this year? Absolutely. This is my third year appearing there with the Santa Experience Minnesota at the Mall of America. And I'll be sitting in the chair December the 12th through the 14th and then the 16th through the 18th. All right. So you got two big shifts and you'll be greeting uh, students and their families for quite some time. What's the most unusual things that's happened since you've been portraying Santa Claus? Oh, well, really, Fred, I haven't had any unusual things to happen to me, but I've had some curious children to one want to know why do I change suits? <laughs> why you change suits? Yeah, I have a, a unique custom-made Santa wardrobe with about five different Santa suits, and the uh, Santa experience has given me an opportunity to showcase them each day that I'm seated in a chair there. Tell us about these suits, Santa. Wow. Well, the idea came about when I decided to be Craig Santa, but I didn't want anything store-bought. So I have an aunt and a cousin who sold, and I actually commissioned a few other people to create the wardrobe that I have. And several of my suits are adorned with authentic African fabric that I've had shipped over from Ghana directly. Oh, my gosh. 
So are we able to see some authentic like kente and other types of cloths as well in your suits? Absolutely. This season, I've got the African wax print, which I introduced my first season. And I have a new one that's joined the wardrobe. It's my uh, mud cloth. Ah, okay. So where can we see this online before we get out to the mall? Absolutely. You can find this at BlackSantaEFX.com, which is my website. But at the same time, if you'd like to visit me there at the mall, you'll have to go to the SantaExperienceMinnesota.com and schedule your appointment today. You've written a brand new book, your first book, and tell us about this. It's about uh, a child's first adventure in meeting Santa Claus? Well, pretty much he had an experience where he wanted to spend time with his friends, but for, for three years it didn't happen. Well, one year they came up with an idea where Santa made it possible. So it's the idea of friends getting together, you know, celebrating the tradition of family and the creativity of magic. Mm-mm-mm. So tell me about the creativity of magic. What's that like? Well, that's pretty much where you can dream anything that you want, Fred. And if I can also let you know that I've got this book translated in Spanish as well, Una Navidad de Mejores Amigos, and both of them are available now worldwide, anywhere books are sold online. I kind of backed into this. It's called A Best Friend's Christmas. What made you decide to start writing this in the first place? Well, after my first year of Santa, I think I had reached a point where I kind of plateaued. And I kept thinking to myself, what can I do to take this game to the next level? And the idea came to mind to write a book. And in the process of writing this first book, a concept came where I'm going to complete a series of six more. So look out for what's coming in the future. All right. So it tells a story of a little boy named Andrew excited about Christmas and spending time with his best friends. Uh, I'm told it's a heartwarming story about the importance of family. Is that right? That is correct. Man, we're talking with Patrick Moss, also known as Santa Pat, who will be at the Santa Experience here in Minnesota. Give us those dates one more time, Santa Pat. Certainly, that will be December the 12th through the 14th, and then December the 16th through the 18th. And I'll be at Black Garnet Books on Friday, December the 15th, for book sale and book signing. All right. Do you have a final thought for us as we go through the end of the year? Holidays are coming up, Thanksgiving this week, and, you know, 40 days or so we'll be celebrating the holidays. What would you like to leave with us as we think about uh, coming together with family and friends this holiday season? Once families get together, just enjoy everybody's company. You know, it's not often that we get to celebrate, and as we know, as time passes, you know, some are with us and some are no longer with us. But let's appreciate everyone and love everyone that's here while we are together. He is Santa Patrick Moss, also known as Santa Pat. He's got a brand new book entitled A Best Friend's Christmas, and you can find him. Just go to BlackSantaEFX.com, and you can find everything Santa Pat right there. Thanks so much for being with us, Santa. You're very welcome. Glad to be with you. Look forward to seeing you guys during the holidays. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> I'm Freddie Bell, and we'll be right back. Thank you for checking out New Beginnings this weekend. I'm Freddie Bell, and now it's time to turn to the lighter side of my desk. Brace yourselves for big news. 
Kevin Bacon, the 200-pound pig, has returned home safely. The Pennsylvania pig broke free from this pen earlier this month, you may have known. But after being on a run and a Benadryl lay sticky bun, the elusive pig found his way back home. The runaway pig gained attention, national attention, online and actor Kevin Bacon petitioned for the pig's return, posting, Bring Kevin Bacon Home. I just think that's adorable. A university is offering a two-year debt-free program to help underserved students get their degree. Butler University in Indianapolis says that it is creating the program so students with a demonstrated financial need can earn an associate degree. The university's president says the program will be funded through donations and endowments. Students in the program can then go on to earn a bachelor's degree at Butler for nearly $10,000. Meta Platform founder and CEO Mark Zuckerberg is recovering from surgery after suffering a knee injury during a mixed martial arts training session. The 39-year-old creator of Facebook posted an Instagram Saturday saying that he tore his ACL while training for a fight scheduled early next year. And a spider species is spreading. A study from Clemson University says jural spiders are spreading beyond South Carolina and could inhabit most of the eastern United States. Their spiders are large, brightly colored, and use their webs to travel in the wind. They're venomous, but researchers say they don't bite humans or pets unless they're cornered. Wait till they get a load of me. Ooh, ooh. On the lighter side of my desk on New Beginnings, be sure to be with us each week and we'll be right back after this. Introducing the New Beginnings podcast, featuring career, health and financial information for people on the go. To get your fresh start, visit freddiebell.com slash newbeginnings. Check out the new New Beginnings podcast today. If you have a positive COVID-19 test, it's important to stay home and away from others for a minimum of five full days from the date of the symptoms or the date you had a positive test result. When you're people who live with you, wear a well-fitting mask. You can return to most activities after five full days of staying away from others if your symptoms are getting better. Continue to wear a mask around others indoors through day 10. A message from the Minnesota Department of Health. The holiday season is here, and what better gift to give than the gift of positivity, enlightenment, and of course, good cheer. The ultimate holiday gift this year? Words to the Wise by Freddie Bell. Available at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, and FreddieBell.com. Ensure the special people on your holiday list are greeted each day with a positive, thoughtful, yet uplifting message. So this holiday season, give the gift you know they'll love. Words to the Wise by Freddie Bell. Thank you for listening to New Beginnings. You can stay up to date with this show. All you have to do is go to Google or to Apple and download the Freddie Bell Radio Shows app. Yes, download the Freddie Bell Radio Shows app and you'll be up to date on everything concerning this show and anything related to Freddie Bell. More to come. Stay with us. This is a news-oriented broadcast, and all information is educational in nature is not intended to be legal, securities, tax, or insurance advice. Please consult with the appropriate professional before acting on information heard during the broadcast. You're listening to New Beginnings. New Beginnings with Freddie Bell. It's that time of year again. Turnkeys and pumpkins are in the air, and you know what that means. 
It's Roth conversion time. Join us over the next few weeks as we dive into the details of exactly how to determine if a Roth conversion is right for you. Hi, everyone. I'm Freddie Bell, and now it's time to talk finance with Label Sternbach. Label is an Amazon bestselling author of Living with Financial Anxiety and Authenticity. Okay, Label, let's get the basics and dive right into it. What do you think? Do you think uh, who would benefit most from Roth conversions right now? Welcome back. Hey, so, I mean, that, that is such a great question, right? Because I, I, you know, I speak to so many people every week. And I mean, it really seems like everyone thinks that they are the ideal candidate for a Roth conversion. And they, you know, the question they always pose to me is, how much should I convert? But few people ask, should I convert, right? That is really the question that needs to be asked is, should I convert? And predominantly what I find is that there are a few type of people, a few different scenarios where Roth conversions is just, you know, it's a no brainer. Yes, you should do it. Um, You know, and then there's a few, you know, there's a, a few types of people where it's like, no, you should not do a Roth conversion at all because that will actually hurt you more than anything else that you'll do. Um, and for the vast majority of people, they, they, they're somewhere in this gulf between the two. And you really, you just got to do the math. You got to do the hard numbers and you got to see, does it make sense or not? So when we talk about who is right for a Roth conversion, who is the ideal person? The ideal person for a Roth conversion is going to be the person who their required minimum distributions during retirement far exceed their income needs in retirement, and it will push them into a higher tax bracket in the future, right? Those that That is the primary person. The secondary person who I see often is where you have a concern that right now you're a married couple, but that at some point in the future, you're going to be, you know, uh, the surviving spouse. You're re- really worried about the surviving spouse and them having to have, uh, you know, a huge tax bill, right? Because when you're married filing jointly, you've got this great tax credit, right? You've got double the, the income bracket. And if all of a sudden that gets divided in half, all of a sudden you may find yourself in a, in a much higher tax bracket. So if a very large portion of your retirement income is coming from traditional retirement accounts, um, and so you are worried about that, you're worried about what happens or it's a very real possibility, then those those two scenarios are the ones who I find really, you know, Roth conversions are very beneficial for. There's other people, a whole lot of people where they're in your, you're in this gray area where a Roth conversion may be helpful and may not be helpful, but the only way to tell is to, you know, really map it out and see what happens. Interesting. Everybody, we're talking with Label Sternbach. He is everything Roth conversion this week as we talk with him. It's really interesting on the definition that you've given. I'm just wondering if you can expand on that by uh, sharing your thoughts with us on the survivor tax bomb, the so-called double whammy of losing both the married filing jointly tax brackets and the loss of SS benefits, what would be the reason to to do a, a Roth conversion in that scenario, sir? Yeah. So so when we look at the surviving spouse, right? So you're going your whole life, right? You're married to the love of your life. You know, things are great. And then one person passes, right? I mean, that's usually the way it goes. Um, and at that point, 
you all of a sudden, right, that surviving spouse, you know, they, they get hit by what I call this double whammy where you have number one, social security, they all of a sudden lose the smaller check, right? So they went from having this, you know, you know, household income, you know, and oftentimes it can be as much as, you know, half of their retirement income that they're getting from social security just disappears overnight, right? So you lose, you lose that check, the smaller check. The other thing that happens is that you then get bumped up into a higher tax bracket, mo more than likely, because you lose the married filing jointly, right? So when you have, you know, a, and that that affects a number of areas. You have the standard deduction. So right now, the Tax Code and Jobs Act, which I know is set to expire in 2026, but it did create the standard deduction where instead of having a 0% tax bracket, we have a standard deduction that you can just take that right off of your tax return, that amount. And for a married couple, you know, that's almost $30,000. A married couple, you know, who's over 65, it's almost $30,000. That's a lot of money when you then consider the fact that, you know, 50, only 50 to 85% of their social security then has to be added back into their taxable income. So for many people in retirement, it is very possible that they won't be paying much in terms of income tax. When you suddenly take away, you have that standard deduction and then you have the bracket. So even if you were because of RMDs or because of, you know, the amount of money that you need to live off of that you're taking out of your traditional retirement accounts that pushed you up into, you know, let's say the 12% tax bracket as a married couple. But now as a single person, you're all of a sudden in, you know, the 22% tax bracket. Mm -hmm. And your lifestyle hasn't changed, right? The only thing that's changed is that you're no longer married and you're no longer getting, you know, a, a third or half of your social security, which is, you know, significant. So what do you do in that scenario? How would you advise? So, so that's where you start to decide now while you're both healthy and young, right? To is Roth conversions a good idea, right? To, to kind of diffuse this potential estate planning bomb, right? That that's going to go off. This is this potential tax bomb. Um, so you really got to think about that. Um, you know, you got to think about it from the context of, well, you know, maybe my required minimum distributions that the IRS is going to require me to take out of my, my retirement accounts. Maybe they're going to be enough to cover my income, right? But they're going to push me up into a higher tax bracket. And if I have to now be paying that higher taxes as a single person, that may make me run out of money quicker, right? So you may want to do a small amount of conversions to bring that down. Or you may say, listen, the, the likelihood is, is that, you know, my wife is going to survive me by a, a wide margin. And, you know, if that's the case that happens, I don't want her to be left with a huge tax liability. I don't want all this money to go to um, the IRS. I'd rather that, you know, her or my kids can benefit from it. And you go ahead and you do Roth conversions strategically so that you're saving money on taxes, mm -hmm. um, you know, or you're you're not upsetting your financial security. Because what if you live a long time, right? Um, so you don't want to sacrifice, you know, your financial security in 20 years from now just to save some, some money, right. You know, up front. Um, but that is, that is definitely, you know, when you think about doing Roth conversions, that is something that you need to keep in mind. It's not just about you. It's also about your surviving spouse and your loved ones. So it's about the surviving spouse and your loved ones. So what about everybody else? How, do, how do we capitalize on the lower tax rates? 
So, so for, you know, for the vast majority of people who are in between those two extremes, right, the extremes of, you know, well, my RMDs are going to be really small, so I don't have to worry about it. And I'm going to be in a lower tax bracket in retirement versus the people who they know for certain, right, that they're going to be paying more in taxes because they don't need those RMDs. Um, for the people who are in between, the only way you're going to know if you should do Roth conversions and how much should do, you should do is really by mapping it out, right? You need to say, you know, you need to you need to have an income plan that says this is how much I'm going to be taking from Social Security. This is how I'm going to spend down my retirement accounts. This is the anticipated return I'm going to get on those retirement accounts. You, and, and then you you know say, okay, this is where I'm spending it. And this is what the balance is going to be. And, you know, sometimes just spending down your retirement accounts first is all you need to do to bring those RMDs down. Or you may say, look at it and be like, wait, hey, look, in my 80s, my when RMDs start to go crazy, my RMDs are really going to be enormous. And I think taxes are going to go up by, you know, 10, 20 percent, in which case it makes sense that now I'm going to be in a lower tax bracket to convert. And that will also answer the question of how much to convert. But you got to do those numbers. You got to really map it out. Um, and I'd love to say, like, you know, uh, you know, I'd love to say, well, if you've got, you know, over a million dollars in your retirement accounts, then you should for sure do Roth conversions, right? It, it is very tempting to say numbers like that. But the fact is, is, you know, in years of doing these analysis, I have yet to find a hard and fast rule of people who I, you know, consistently say you should do Roth conversions. Because there's always, there's always other considerations and you got to, you got to really look at the numbers and everyone's different. It's interesting. You just took away my next question because I was going to ask you, okay, uh, label what's A, what's B, what's C when you're considering whether or not a Roth conversion is right for you. So is there a, a global look at this to help to steer a family in the right direction or an individual in the right direction? Yeah, so they kind of the, the holistic view that you, well, you need to take a holistic view. Of that. I mean, that's the view, number one, right, is you need to take that holistic view. You need to look at, you need to say, you know, just like any business, right, just like any, you know, good accountant, you got to say, these are my incomes in retirement, right? And you do it year by year. This is where I'm, you know, receiving my income from. This is how much my account balances are going to grow. This is what my anticipated taxes are going to be, right? And then you map that out and then you say, you know, and, you know, as part of that, you'll do what are my required minimum distributions based on that anticipated balance. And in looking at that, you'll say, okay, well, listen, I right now this year, I'm going to be in the 12% tax bracket. I'm anticipating in 10 years from now, I'm going to be in the 22% tax bracket if nothing changes, right? Um, or I think that taxes are going to go up 10%, so therefore I'm going to be in the 22% tax bracket. And if that's the case, then I would save money by you know paying taxes now up front. But even if you think that that's the case, right, you want to then simulate that. Because remember, if you're paying taxes up front, let's say you're paying, you know, uh, you know, most people considering conversions are not in the 12%, but they're usually higher. Um, but let's say you're in the 12% tax bracket and you're like, okay, I'm going to max this out. Maybe I'll even go to the 22 or 24% tax bracket. That's a hit that you then need to recover, right? You need to know how much, how much do I need to save in taxes down the road in order for it to have been worthwhile for me to pay that taxes up front? Because remember, if you pay 
you know, let's say you pay $20,000 in taxes to do that Roth conversion, you need to you need to figure out that you're going to be losing out on the use of that $20,000, the compounding growth of that $20,000 over the next 20, 30, 40 years of your retirement. And that's a lot of money, right? And generally speaking, we're not talking about, you know, just a one-time thing, right? Because usually you can't convert enough in just one year. You're going to do, you know, $20,000, $30,000 in taxes this year and then next year and then the year after that. And before you know it, right, you're now at $100,000, $150,000 in extra taxes that you're paying that need to, that you could have had compounding for you over time and may have made a lot more money for you than the amount of taxes that you would pay eventually, right? So you really need to do that math. And ultimately, I think, right, the real question you need to ask yourself is what is going to position yourself for better financial security, right? Paying for the taxes up front now or paying it over time, right? And obviously, that means you got to keep your ear to the ground and they hear the rumblings in Congress. And if they talk about jacking up the tax rates, mm -hmm. right, be ready to do those conversions. But it also means knowing that, you know, these are these are the things that are important to, to me. These are the things that will hurt my financial future. These are the things that will strengthen my financial future, my financial security, so that you can act on them as life changes. Wow, we're just about out of time. Tell me what we can find if we go to yields4u.com right now. So if you go to yields4u.com, we've got a whole bunch of resources for you on this, including I teach a class regularly on how to minimize your taxes. Uh, we've got a in-depth Roth conversion class. I'm actually working on a piece of software that you can sign up for the beta for it. Uh, it's not ready for release yet, but it'll help you walk through all of those scenarios. And right now, if you want to reach out and you know we can uh, walk through those different scenarios for you, um, talk through, should you do a conversion? How much should you do? What are the impacts of Social Security and the state planning? What happens if taxes go up? What happens if the Tax Cut and Jobs Act goes away? How does that actually impact your financial security? We can show you what all that looks like so that you can make an informed decision of how much should you convert and, you know, over what time period you should convert. Makes a lot of sense. And we got to leave it right there. If you like more information, go to the website yields4u.com. That's yields, the number four, the letter u.com. Join us next week as we discuss specifically how to determine how much you should convert to Roth this year should you max out your current tax bracket or the next or go haul out and cover it all. And what about Irma? And this is New Beginnings. It's World Kindness Day, and we're encouraged to spread kindness like an infectious cold. We want to share it more than usual because studies show that when others observe kindness in action, they're more likely to carry out an act of kindness, too. So imagine if you head out for the day and you notice your neighbor's garbage can is tipped over. Instead of ignoring it and letting the wind make a mess, you pick it up and return it to the corner. Three other neighbors notice and give you a smile and a nod on their way to work and kindness spreads. Today is World Kindness Day. I'm Freddie Bell and we've got more on the way. One out of every 100 people over the age of 65 will become a victim of financial fraud. Never saw it coming. He wiped us out. This must be stopped. 
They told us we had no choice. The Center for Combating Elder Financial Abuse conducts extensive research and provides comprehensive training to individuals and organizations to help prevent elder financial abuse. You wiped us out. How could this happen? Join the fight at endefa.org. Get the most from AARP, including advice and support to help you care for your loved ones. Fraud prevention with tips and tools to help protect you from scams and fraud, including a free helpline if you've been targeted, a scam tracking map, and watchdog alerts via email through the AARP Fraud Watch Network. If you don't know AARP, you don't know ARP. More information at AARP.org. And now, our supporting partner, AARP in the Twin Cities. Hi again, everyone, and welcome back to New Beginnings. And joining us today is Kathy McClear, AARP Minnesota State Director. And Kathy, it's so good to talk with you. And we want to talk today about staying safe from holiday scams. And I have to give a shout out to Jay Happala, an Associate State Director. He is all things scams. We don't call him Mr. Scam, but he certainly knows a lot about them. (laughs) <laughs> yes, in fact, Jay is our resident expert on all things frauds and scams, and uh, glad he does a great job for your listeners to keep them informed and up to date on on how to avoid those. This is that time of year, Kathy, when it seems that every predator is out there online trying to separate us from our hard-earned money. What would you suggest as we go into the holidays to stay safe? Yeah, you know, this this time of year is ripe for scams and frauds, you know, unfortunately. But the reality is we're doing more and more of our shopping online, uh, and it poses some really unique risks. Uh, one of our surveys recently found that seven, more than 75% of U.S. Cons- consumers reported that they had experienced uh, some kind of a fraud um, and Similarly, the same share of consumers also failed a nine-question safe shopping quiz. Um, and so that's really frightening to think that, um, you know, we all like to think, especially in Minnesota, that we're very trusting. But we have to really approach that online shopping in a very skeptical way. Interesting. So what can, how can we uh, protect ourselves when we're shopping online when these uh, scammers seem to be more and more savvy each and every day? Yeah, so there are are three really specific areas. So online shopping scams, gift cards with zero balances, and stolen packages. So we just have a few tips to help avoid those. So first of all, when you're shopping online, make sure that you're visiting sites that you know and that you trust. And avoid clicking on offers that have that deep, deep discount on really hot items. I think the old outage of is if, if it seems too good to be true, it probably is. And so you have to be very cautious about that. Mm. So how else can we be safe with, uh, especially with gift cards? That seems to be the rage and it has been for a few years now. Yeah, so the safest way to give a gift card is by purchasing it through uh, that known retailer's website. Um, and, uh, you know, make sure that you're, you know, because sometimes those, those scammers, they'll um, they'll scratch off the code from those gift cards that you might want to pick up at your local grocery store or your local um, big box store. So make sure you're purchasing the gift card um, through your retailer directly. And I recall talking uh, with you and you mentioned the idea of having a camera near or on our front door to uh, beware of those porch pirates. 
Yeah, porch pirates this time of year, so important. So make sure that you have, um, that you're either home when those deliveries come, if you're expecting one, have a camera on your doorbell um, or have a special place that's um, a secure place on your property or ask them to you know, place it behind a planter or ask a neighbor to um, grab that package for you if you can't be there when it, when it shows up. Three great tips. And before we step away, uh, you're inviting the um, all of our listeners to join you for Coffee and Conversations. Can you mention that? Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, we have a great session coming up at the Mall of America at our Information Center, and that is December 13th from 10 to 11 a.m., Um, Just join us for some coffee and a conversation on how to stay safe from holiday scams. We'll have some holiday treats. We'll have practical tips to stay stay safe from frauds and scams. Uh, And of course, folks can register and get more information at aarp.org forward slash MN events. Is there a number still out there, Kathy, for someone who's looking just to speak to someone about frauds or any issue that they're facing around this topic? Absolutely. It's the AARP Fraud Watch Network, um, and you can visit us online at aarp.org forward slash Fraud Watch Network, or you can give a fraud specialist a call at 1-877-908-3360. All right. I know it's that time of the year. I want to, uh, on behalf of, of our team, to say happy Thanksgiving and happy holidays to you and all the fine folks at AARP, Kathy. And happy holidays to you, Freddie. And we'll talk soon because this is New Beginnings. It's a wonderful weekend on New Beginnings, and it happened this week. In 1907, Oklahoma became the 46th state of the Union. In 1959, the Rodgers and Hammerstein musical The Sound of Music opened on Broadway. In 1960, actor Clark Gable died at the age of 59. In 1966, Dr. Sam Shepard was acquitted in his second trial of charges that he murdered his pregnant wife. His story was the subject of the television show and the film the Fugitive. In 1999, 13-year-old Nathaniel Abraham, the youngest murder defendant in U.S. history, was convicted of second-degree murder in Michigan for shooting a man with a rifle when he was just 11 years old. In the year 2000, civil rights leader Hosea Williams died at the age of 74. Williams worked closely with Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. during the civil rights movement, helping support striking sanitation workers on the night that King was assassinated. And in 2020, Moderna releases its early data on its COVID-19 vaccine, saying the shot is nearly 95% effective. It happened this week, and I'm Freddie Bell. Vaccines.gov is your trusted source for vital vaccine information, offering a user-friendly platform to access up-to-date details on vaccines, including COVID-19. Discover nearby vaccination locations, understand vaccine safety, and access resources for healthcare providers. With multilingual support and comprehensive educational materials, Vaccine.gov empowers individuals and communities to make informed decisions, promoting public health through vaccination. Stay informed, stay protected. It's all at your fingertips on Vaccines.gov, a message from the Minnesota Department of Health. Did you know that now you can see and hear Sunday morning services from Unity South Twin Cities? Search Unity South Twin Cities online and Facebook and catch the live stream Sunday mornings at 1030 on Facebook.com.
Thank you for listening to New Beginnings. You can stay up to date with this show. All you have to do is go to Google or to Apple and download the Freddie Bell Radio Shows app. Yes, download the Freddie Bell Radio Shows app and you'll be up to date on everything concerning this show and anything related to Freddie Bell. More to come. Stay with us. As New Beginnings continues, we now take you to the spirituality portion of our program, where we introduce the Senior Minister of Unity South Twin Cities, the Reverend James Stacy. We now join Reverend Stacy with a program already in progress. The popular author Marianne Williamson said in her first and most famous book, A Return to Love, that God, the divine, speaks to us in a way we can hear. That's comforting. God gets our attention uniquely. For some of us, it's on Sunday morning in a beautiful worship service with wonderful music and focused prayer that some of us grasp. That idea of the Christ incarnation, Christ within. Others explore this world of wonders in many ways. The arts, exploring nature, and there, they really get it. They get that idea. Others reach a hand out to the world, encouraging the disheartened, feeding the hungry, visiting those that are in some form of bondage, mental or imprisoned. They reach out and serve another, lifting another up, And that's how they get the idea. I tried to convey last week in the Easter lesson this idea of service, ministering, helping another. For those of us that have most of our life needs met, we're relatively comfortable. Some are extremely comfortable and blessed with many things. People that live in abundance, if you think about it, they only get this idea, they only find this joy through reaching out and helping those who don't have as much. Think about it. Their prayers, their desires, their dreams, their goals have been met. Where are they going to find joy? But in helping others discover the goodness of God. And for those of us that have limitations or lack in our life, Our joy comes 
when someone comes to help us, to lift us up, to encourage us, a teacher, an aid, someone that helps you, and then you get it. This grand idea. I must be worth something. Carol came to my aid. Gerald thought I was worthy of help, of a little boost. As Marianne Williamson said, God speaks to us in a way that we can hear uniquely our way. Rohr goes on to describe this incarnational world view. The divine, the Christ is permeating all. He describes it as an idea in which matter and spirit are understood to have never been separated. Rudolf Steiner said it very simply and briefly, which is kind of unusual for Rudolf Steiner. And he said, there is never matter, this material stuff, there is never matter that is not filled with spirit. And there is never spirit in isolation that is not expressing somehow in matter. Many of us have believed God up there, we're alone down here. The Christ idea, it's all one. It's all one. Our part is to understand that. In the church, we would say it is our job to hold the faith. To believe in the unlimited possibilities. That good will express in each and every situation This view relies more, listen, on awakening than joining some spiritual community. It relies more on awakening than joining. More on seeing than obeying. More on growth in consciousness and love than on clergy, experts, morality, scriptures, or rituals. The code word that Rohr chooses for this worldview, this perspective on life, is simply Christ. And in our tradition, it is You know, Christ within. So I invite you this week, we'll begin in a moment of silence.
but play with this preposition and this proposition. Play with this idea of divinity, of God's presence, of the risen one, of the anointed, of the power, of the good. Is it located within you? Or is it your proposition, your perspective, your world view, how you see others, how you see this world, how you see the possibilities, how you see the path before you? It is a world of wonders. So let's take a moment and turn within. I'm going to speak a very old form of this idea. It inspired our prayer for protection that we speak every Sunday and hopefully more often than that. It was taken from the 5th century prayer attributed to St. Patrick. St. Patrick's breastplate is protection. And I'll speak it in part. I invite you to close your eyes and let this go to the very center, the very withinness of your being. Be Christ this day my strong protector against poison and wounding. Through reward wide and plenty. Christ beside me. Christ before me. Christ behind me. Christ within me. Christ beneath me. Christ above me. Christ to the right of me, Christ to the left of me. Christ is in my lying, my sitting, my rising. Christ is heart of all who know me. Christ on tongue of all who meet me. Christ in eye of all who see me. Christ in ear of all who hear me. You just heard a message coming from the Reverend James Stacy, the Senior Minister of Unity South in the Twin Cities. More information is found at their website at unitysouth.org. And here are today's words to the wise. Every end is a beginning. Life is a continuous cycle of transitions where the conclusion of one chapter marks the start of another one. When something in your life comes to an end, whether it's a job, a relationship, or a phase, it can be a time of uncertainty and even sadness. However, it's essential to remember that within every ending lies the potential for fresh opportunities, personal growth, and a chance to rewrite your story. Embrace change, and with each ending, find the strength to see it as a new beginning. With this perspective, you can navigate life's ever-evolving journey with resilience and hope. Today's words to the wise, every end is a beginning.
That's our show, and thanks to our special guests for stopping by and sharing information that we hope can change lives. If you missed any of today's show, you can subscribe to our podcast or just Google Freddie Bell or stop by my website of the same name. Thanks for listening, and remember that each day is a chance for a new beginning. See you next week. 